Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. The presence of relationship infidelity is probably not spoken about as openly nor as frequently as it should be. Yet all of us know that in the human community, infidelity is not uncommon. Perhaps there are two global types, the need for a different type of emotional connection with another person, or perhaps a need to satisfy a sexual or other curiosity outside of, shall we say, our public relationships, or perhaps it is a combination of both. Jesse Selkin is a psychologist in Palm Beach County here in Florida who has done some interesting work on this topic, and he graciously agreed to discuss it with us. Dr. Selkin, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me here today. What is infidelity, and does it vary with cultures? It's an excellent question, and a lot of research is now stating, for example, that in different cultures, there's actually different types of infidelity. If you look at that and you really think about it, it's very interesting. So, for example, in America, a lot of couples look at infidelity in a very negative way. And if you look at different cultures, such as France, for example, they're actually a lot more accepting of infidelity, which is interesting. In fact, the French president recently just had an affair. It's talked about in a very nonchalant kind of way. There are some countries that will take infidelity, they will use it against someone. For example, in Saudi Arabia, there's actually a law that if you have an affair, then you're going to be stoned to death. That's for women specifically. So the question of what infidelity is, is a very universal question with one answer. It's a violation of trust. And what happens is that there's a declared reality and a revealed reality, which is, you know it's happening. It's happening much more frequent now, but the reality is that we don't know the specific number of people that are actually engaging it because it's so secretive. Is there a difference between an emotional infidelity and a physical infidelity? Yes. Emotional infidelity is one in which someone can actually go ahead and have the, these emotional reactions, these emotional affairs, if you will, meaning that they can connect with someone else's emotions especially women, you hear about that happening a lot more, whereas men are more physically induced or at least willing to engage in the sexual part of it. But not fall in love, so to speak. Sometimes. Sometimes there are times when, when men will fall in love with their partner. Is it more likely statistically for men to have affairs than women? And, and I ask that question because in, in another generation, if we can put it that way, women seemed to be much more the gatekeeper. They seemed much more the one who moderated it, who kept it at least legitimate. Then the sexual revolution, to use the term, perhaps it's a bit trite. And now there seems to be a different, what word should I use? attitude, we'll just use that word, towards casual sex by women. Has that changed some of the definitions and the statistics? It's interesting. With AshleyMadison.com, which is a website in which you can actually go on, if you're in a relationship, if you're married, to go and have an affair. With the statistics on AshleyMadison.com, it's very interesting because there's a huge age gap. When you go from 38 years old to 39, for example, they find that 39-year-olds, especially with men, they're four times as likely to have an affair. Now, we always ask, why is that? Also, with the research on Ashley Madison, 65 years old and older, especially for men, have a huge, huge number of men who are having more affairs, 65 and older. I think right now we're still in a, in a place where we're still trying to figure out why that is. 38 and 39, we could probably guess that maybe some are going through maybe a, a midlife crisis at that time. They look at where they, they want to be in life, and they might not be very satisfied with where they are maybe in their family or work position. So that might lead people to have more affairs. 
Is there any sense, and maybe the statistics do not specifically identify this, but is there any sense that the people over 65 do it for the physical activity? Maybe their wife is no longer as sexually active as they would like it to be, or is it because they're lonely? I think that kind of goes to speak on really the unique individual. We all age, and our partners do as well. It can lead to a lonely time. Maybe their partner is not as affectionate as they were maybe 20 years back, or physically active and sexually active, I should say, too. So that can play a part in it as well. But I really think it goes to the unique individual. I used to hear that a rule of thumb, if someone had one affair, the likelihood of them having subsequent affairs is markedly increased. Is that true? That definitely seems to be the trend, especially when we look at the statistics on it. A lot of couples who do go ahead, and, or a lot of partners who go ahead and actually have affairs, sometimes that's almost the breaking point in the marriage where they say, you know what, I am so deeply sorry, I really want to continue this relationship that I have with my wife, who I cheated on. They do not go and have affairs afterwards. The research does show, on the other hand, there are individuals as well who will continue to have affairs. So it brings up two questions. Number one, when people repeat things, sometimes we use the word addiction. Is it fair to say that there is a sexual addiction or there is a, an emotional addiction that people are seeking? Is this different than the sex addict? I realize I'm bringing a lot of topics into one question, but why? I actually go the other way. I don't look at it more as an addiction. What I look at it is that there might be some things, for example, in a relationship or in a marriage that will cause a person to stray away. For example, you look at different roles that couples play and different things that are actually are happening in the relationship. When you think about it, there are times when maybe emotionally you're not getting as much as you want from your partner. Maybe they're not listening to you as much. Maybe they're not really showing the affection that they were last year, last week, things of that nature. And of course, sex can be a big part of it too. Maybe there are couples that used to have lots of sex and now for whatever reason work is getting very stressful and they're not getting as much sex and they might look for another avenue to get that sexual outlet out. Is there any sense that the availability of sexual websites on the internet has reduced the need to go outside of the marriage for the fantasy aspects of an affair? Fantasies are something that a lot of couples have but maybe they don't reveal. If you look at the different websites, and of course, now in the new technology era, we look at all of these different websites, such as ashleymadison.com, where it is so easy to go and have an affair. We used to think about all these different single dating websites, match.com, eHarmony, and there were a lot of married men and women who would join that website to go ahead and look for a partner. What you're seeing now with all of these other married dating websites where you can be in a relationship and go ahead and have an affair, you're definitely seeing more of that avenue where you don't really have to even leave your home to go ahead and have these fantasies. Before, you had to go outside and connect, generally speaking, to another human being. I'm wondering if we're seeing a shift, good or bad, a shift in sexual fantasy from three dimensions to two dimensions. How different it is when somebody can achieve their fantasies and then to put it bluntly, when they're finished, they turn it off. They don't have to say goodnight. They don't have to drive the person home or do anything else. It it's, it's almost misses an element of the humanity of it. You're absolutely right, but it's interesting because that's actually what keeps the affair alive. If you really think about it, a man or a woman who is having these fantasies, 
where they don't have to go ahead and say goodnight to their partner. It's really all on a computer, for example. That's the way that they're going about it. The fantasy is always in their mind. But what you actually don't realize is that that actually might be keeping the relationship going, which is a very interesting point of view of, of looking at it. Because back in the day, it was all about connecting in a very humble way. You would have to go out to a place and really emotionally connect and get to know each other. But now you don't have to do that as much, especially in the technology era. You don't even need to know your partner's name. You don't have to know anything about them, especially with men who are more into looking at porn, for example, compared to women who are more inclined to have these erotic chats online. You definitely see a difference you also see a very similar thing. They're both engaging in a way that they are fantasizing about a partner and not even to say goodbye. Or and that is, of course, at least in my way of thinking, a form of infidelity. If you ask some partners, they will say yes. There are some partners that will say, if he's having or she's having the fantasy, that's just part of life, and I'm not even going to go there because they're an individual, I'm an individual, we all have our thoughts. So it really depends on who you ask and how the particular couple define the nature of what's allowable, so to speak, in their relationship. I was recently talking to a colleague, and he said, relationships are so different than really anything else in life. For example, with work, if you're signing a contract, you know exactly what your roles are, your duties are, different things that you're going to have to do at work. But in relationships, we don't really do that. We don't sign a contract that says, here's your role, here's mine, here's what infidelity looks like, this is what I don't want you to do, this is what I do want you to do. It just is a pattern that really grows over time, and we learn as we go. So if someone comes to you and says, you know, Doc, I'm beginning to have these fantasies. I've discovered the Internet. My wife is a good woman. I'm not looking for a divorce, but sexually, it's just not there. Where do you begin? How do you... What do you look for to prevent this from becoming a catastrophe? One thing that's going to be very important is understanding why that person has not discussed it with his wife or her husband. Because a lot of times, if they're not putting it on the table, they're not allowing the other person to know exactly how they feel. One thing that I would want to understand is why is it so difficult and scary for that person to go ahead and tell their partner? What is it about that? It would seem that the treatment will ultimately involve both partners sitting with you. At some point, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the dynamics are of the relationship, it's important for them to really put it on the table. We always talk about how important it is for communication to be a huge factor in any relationship. If we look at things that are happening in an infidelity, we're not seeing that communication. We're not seeing that openness. We're, we're seeing more of a secrecy where they don't feel safe enough to tell their partner what they really feel, what they really want. Sometimes it's very important to do that. I'm stuck on the idea that maybe we need to find a, diff a different word for the type of sexual fantasy satisfaction, relationship satisfaction that comes on the Internet because it really is not the traditional relationship. It's not dating. It's not all the other things that we so commonly attribute to a relationship. Many years ago, when I was in college, a professor of philosophy was very concerned about the evolution of Playboy magazines and other magazines in which a lot of nudity was shown. And his concern was that a lot of young boys would look at these pictures, go after their fantasies, when done, close the magazine and move on. Complete absence of humanity and the fact that the girl has good days, bad days, hungry, not hungry, etc., etc. And it really began to redefine fine the notion of a relationship. Should infidelity only be when there is a relationship with the person with whom we're having the sexual affair? Do we need a different term? 
when it's the fantasy. It's the notion of does infidelity demand a face-to-face relationship? Should we give a different term to the infidelity, to use the term, that occurs on the Internet, which is fantasy? It depends on who you ask. Okay. Because there are some couples that will say, it's actually okay if my wife or my husband goes on the Internet because they're just looking at pictures. They're not really going to see that person, so it's just a fantasy, but that's okay with that particular couple. Go on the other hand, and you talk to some couples, and some partners, I should say, you'll find quite different answers. You'll say, okay, he's going online, and he's having these erotic chats with, she's having erotic chats with another man. That partner might look at that as the end of the world type thing. The betrayal, the secretive nature of that can definitely be a huge factor in it. We're bouncing around topics that are not yet completely defined since the internet brought us in a way even different than print media years ago to a new level of interactions between people and we're learning our way through this. Back to your Playboy comment is you're right. It's very interesting how you see really life develop and right now of course as the era of technology has just boomed and skyrocketed we're seeing a lot more of these infidelity cases if you will. It doesn't just stop at seeing the picture. Sometimes it can go on and on and on. And literally, there are some couples that are going through this currently as we speak where there's a fantasy that is played out which actually keeps the relationship going, which is a very interesting thing when you think about it. Is it right or is it wrong? I mean, it really depends on on the couple. So it speaks also to, as we say, the the fabric of the community. And you went at the very beginning, you talked about trust. Perhaps if there is an affair and the emotional trust shifts from the partner to the one with whom one is having an affair, that doesn't bode well for the relationship. That's a very different story than the person who goes out and has uh, an affair. Is there anything that you have seen in all your work that gives a hint as much as we can, have a hint of what could be done, a, a mindset or a psychological technique to reduce the chance of infidelity? Excellent question. Going back to when we first began this podcast is that there's a declared reality and a revealed reality. We don't know the actual statistics on how many people are engaging in affairs. And again, we have to go back to the definition of what is an affair. If we really think about this, we can go on and on about how we can reduce the likelihood of someone having an affair, but we have to be honest. Right now, anybody could go on a computer in their home. They don't even have to leave the house. They could go on and look at different porn pictures or go on different websites and, and do things of that nature that would be regarded as having an affair. Without cost. Without cost. It's all free. I mean, of course, there are websites where you might have to pay. We're talking about being on the websites and they're free. Yes. And it's just, it's how we can become, it's how we become infidels. What a word. We usually think of infidels as people raiding another country and destroying them and burning them and all that sort of stuff. Same word. I, I really need to look up the etiology of how it developed in these two terms. There's no need to even go out of your way. I think the only thing that is important to utilize are more communication tactics. And that's something that I do in sessions with couples. Give me an example. Last week, I had a patient come in who was telling me that there are things that were happening in her relationship of about eight years or so. Not married, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. They do have a kid together. She was telling me that she felt as if in the last five or six months, the relationship had been declining and really falling apart. One thing that I asked her specifically was, have you told your boyfriend about this? And her answer was no. 
why would I go ahead and tell him how I really feel because he doesn't care. He's not going to listen to me. He's just going to go back and blame me for things. And it's just going to go back into this cycle. My question is, again, going back to what I had said previously, is what is so scary about telling your true feelings to your partner? That can be very, very scary for many couples. But are they going to be blamed? Are they going to be accused of things? Are they going around in different circles? There's something that is happening within the nature of a relationship that is making it difficult for some couples to honestly and openly discuss how they feel with their partner. And we saw that, or at least I saw that last week. It's also an interesting spin that if someone is having an affair, the partner might take it as a meaning that they could say to their wife or their, to their husband, you really do not satisfy me. You really don't satisfy me. What a crushing comment if the person is completely unaware. Art Buckwald, many years ago, wrote an article about the other woman. And he said, there usually is never another woman if the marriage is good. There's some serious truth to that. If you really think about it now, especially in the day and age that we're living in, there are some couples that are literally having affairs to keep their relationship going. Which, of course, is what? Yeah. How does that make sense? Yes. But the truth is there's millions of couples that are going ahead and doing that. For some couples, and I actually heard this recently actually was a way to almost spark their marriage or relationship in a very interesting way as well because it's almost like they weren't able, like we were saying, to openly communicate with each other. So the only way that that person, again, man or woman, felt like they could go ahead and let their partner in on what was going on was to actually have the affair, which almost led to a stronger marriage at the end. And you see that also with some couples as well. The psychopathology here, or the psychodynamics, I shouldn't necessarily say pathology, but the psychodynamics here are intriguing. Extremely. We have to be realistic on what we're actually seeing nowadays. A lot of times, especially for therapists and professionals out there who, who do see this in their practice, it's important for them to understand what their values are, what their beliefs are about infidelity, because many times that could also put a therapist in a, in a situation where they're not being so objective in treating the couple. And I think what's important for any therapist to know is they have to understand the dynamics and what actually is going on in the relationship before we can start talking about what is the best thing for them to do and, and how to really guide them effectively. And of course, we don't have the time, but the impact of this on children, on other people in the family, if they do have a strong religious base, what it's going to do as it reverberates through the congregation, a major piece of our relationship and the dynamics of our relationship, which I do not think we really give enough, shall we say, upfront thought. This has been very intriguing. This was much more of an overview. Jesse Selkin is a psychologist in Palm Beach County. Dr. Selkin, thank you much for being here. Thank you so much, Dr. Strauss. I really appreciate this opportunity.